Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell, and I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs, and I've been in business since 1994. I want to thank Jonathan and Lynn Gilden of the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. By the way, Realty Pros is number one in the real estate business in Volusia County. Pretty darn impressive, if you ask me. I will put their information in the show notes and give them a shout if you're looking to buy or looking to sell. All right, today I'm going to talk a little bit about cues. Cues, cues, cues. Not the letter Q, but cues. Cues are little either verbal or nonverbal symbols or simple words that will help you do what is next without a whole lot of further communication. Now, as a trainer, coach, counselor, a person that has worked with people in those realms, it's very important to establish cues into relationships with the people that you are trying to work with. Say as a coach, it's important early on to teach your athletes specific cues that you want to use. As a trainer, it's very, very important to teach your clients certain cues that you are going to use as a counselor, which I've also done. It's very important to teach your clients certain cues that you are going to use. So let me just back up a little bit and talk a little bit about the importance of the brain and performance. I was having this conversation with a client of mine the other day when he would when he said to me, "Oh man, you know, It's so mental. I knew I had more in me, but I got to that moment and and I just couldn't do it. It's so mental. And I said to him, I said, it's absolutely mental. And all of the latest research in performance coaching is now centered around that very strong opinion that most of performance as far as when we get to our peak capacity, is mental. Now, they're even going into the brain and talking about um, how the brain decides when the body might be in danger and it'll start sending signals to the body to slow down And a lot of this research is coming out of the endurance world with runners and triathletes. And they're finding out that it's really the brain, the central command center, that's dictating when a pace is going to slow down. Of course, there's natural physical abilities and all that. But I'm talking about the person being their specific best, their particular best, that they're finding out that it's the brain that is the central regulator when it comes to that. So usually when it comes to that, it has to do with heat. So as the body starts heating up and the thermo, 
dynamics or the thermogenics, I should say, starts heating up and the person is literally getting hotter, then the brain starts going into panic mode because it feels like the body's in danger, so it starts slowing you down. Now, let's take into consideration that in most cases, the brain is overreacting, right? So there are obvious situations where heat stroke can occur, so we're not talking about that. But in most cases, the other part of the brain where you can actually think and reason goes, well, I'm going to be done with this 5K in seven minutes, and I'm going to get some nice cold ice water, so I don't think I'm in any danger. But the other part of the brain, the unconscious part of the brain, the reactionary part of the brain doesn't exactly know that as much as you try to tell it, although it is good to tell it that, doesn't know that, so it starts slowing you down. So they know that. They know that to get the most out of their athletes, and we're talking at the elite level here, these professional athletes, they have to retrain how the person thinks about fatigue. So as they start feeling warmer, as they start feeling fatigued, as they start feeling lactic acid in their muscles, yes, those things are happening, but they have to somehow try to state it with enough passion that the brain starts to believe it that it's okay. Now, naturally, the governor is going to win, right? It's going to win, but we can make it better. All right. So that was just a, a brief explanation of why it is so important to think about these psychological aspects of training. Now, in the case of the brain, that's actually psychophysiological. So it, it's it's actually uh, you know a combination. But when it comes to cues, cues can be a way to help us get our best at the particular moment. All right. So I was talking to. A client about this the other day I said look if we stop and talk about it every time I'm trying to get you to do something that I think you need to do we're not going to get our workout in so we have to learn particular cues so we worked on some cues at the gym because what happens is and it's just human nature that if you start explaining to somebody and I'm going to use the gym model as an example right now as a trainer. If you start explaining to somebody what you want them to do and what they're doing, you know, maybe we're talking about that they're not squeezing the muscle at the top of the extension. Let's take a leg extension and you're trying to teach them to squeeze their muscles at the top end of every exercise movement because it's so beneficial. But you use your time on the leg extension, their time on the leg extension to explain to them. Well, it's human nature that they kind of quit paying attention to what's going on in their muscles and their form, and they look at you and they're trying to comprehend what you're talking about. And if you do this every time they're doing a set, and I know this is just an example, kind of an exaggerated example, then they're not gonna get a lot out of their set. So what's more important or what's more beneficial is to actually teach cues in the beginning of, say, a workout 
or more importantly, in the beginning when you start your professional relationship with a client. You know, trainers should teach very specific cues that they want to use. And when they teach that cue, they should teach it in the way that is, when you hear it, you do this. Don't think about anything else. Do this. Because that will get you centered into what you have to do. And I'm 100% a believer that if you can get your brain focused in on what you need to do, you will be your best. You will reach your potential. All right. So here are some cues that I like to use. I just gave one. Squeeze. I teach that early on. I say, okay, so I'm going to say squeeze when you get to the bottom of a movement on flexion, like a pull down, or at the top of a movement, like on extension or fly, I'm going to say squeeze. What that means is I want you to squeeze that muscle as hard as you can, like a bodybuilder would on stage. So take a bicep curl. That squeeze would be at the top. So I would say squeeze, and I want them to picture themselves on a stage squeezing their bicep because that's what it means. Because when we do that, two good things happen. We're contracting that muscle to its fullest, and we're keeping our focus right where it needs to be, which is on the feel of the movement. So I teach that cue. I'll just say squeeze, squeeze. And if they're well-trained, they will squeeze. It's funny, the same client that I had a conversation with about it being mental sent me a text later in the day and all he said was squeeze. And I thought it was pretty funny. So it's important to establish certain cues that will really, really help you. All right. Here's another one I use. Breathe. Now, you know, you think, oh, well, that just means breathe. Well, kind of, but I teach the cue breathe early on when I start a professional relationship with somebody and I say, look, when you get tired, I want you to focus more on your breathing and not the pain. Because if we're going to get better anaerobically, if we're going to get better on a strength set, we're going to feel some pain. We're going to feel some burn in the muscles. That's kind of essential to grow. We're going to feel that. Now, we're human. If we totally associate with the pain, and I also teach association and disassociation, then we're going to quit because it only makes sense that we would. Instead, I teach to disassociate from the pain and associate with breathing. So when I say breathe, the client knows that means to blow out the air through the mouth on the concentric or the hard part of the set and breathe in through the nose on the eccentric portion of the set or the easiest or easier portion of the set. So I don't have to explain all that. Can you imagine me trying to explain all that when they start a squat set? Okay, so when you hear me say this, this is da 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 and then they're doing their squat set and I'm trying to explain about eccentric and concentric and breathing through the nose. The next thing you know, we're both confused. I have no idea how many reps they did. They have no idea if they did it right. I mean, it's not going to work. So we have to pay it on the front end, 
take a little time out when you get to know somebody, start your professional relationship as a trainer and teach certain cues. So I say breathe, they know right away. It's like classical conditioning. They don't have to think about it. I've already taught them what that means. And it works well, actually. I watch people's focus change. I say breathe. And I just had a client's face come right in the mind when I do it. All of a sudden, his whole demeanor changes. He closes his eyes and he starts focusing on his breathing. I watch him focus on his breathing. And guess what? He's able to grind out maybe two or three more reps <clears throat> that prior to that, he would have thought was physiologically impossible. But it wasn't impossible. It was just hard. If we associate with the pain, with the burn, with the lactic acid, if we don't quit, there's maybe something wrong with us. Maybe we're a bit of a masochist. So what we have to do is to somehow trick ourselves. Disassociate with the pain. Associate with something good that's going on in our body, like breathing. All right? Now, another one that I use, and this will be the last one I talk about in training. Another one that I use is I simply say chest up. Now, I know that's two words, but it is still a cue. Chest up. And that simply means in the exercise, maybe they're starting to get sloppy with their posture. During the set is not the time to explain what kyphosis is and what lordosis is and what rolling shoulders are and why that's bad and why you're disengaging your core when you do that and why when you keep your chest up, you're engaging your core. We do all that on the front end and then simply put the cue is chest up. Then they can snap their chest up without thought. You've already explained why and you use that cue. Now, with most people, they're human. We're going to slip in our form a little bit. I mean, I'm guilty of it. I'm sure that I am. You know, I have to cue myself. I'll be doing a set of, say, goblet squats or something. Next thing you know, I might be daydreaming or, you know, whatever, disassociating. And all of a sudden, I can look in the mirror and go, oh, shit. Or I simply, you know, am aware that my chest dropped. It's chest up, Rob, chest up. And I get my chest up. So, we, you know, obviously, we can use cues with ourselves. So it's not like we're slacking that we need the cues. It's the opposite. It's the fact that we're willing to take the cues means that we're very strong and we want to get better. So if we just take the time as trainers and coaches and maybe you're neither or none, but maybe you're a friend who's an enthusiast that likes to work out and you know you heard this and you work out with somebody and you're training with somebody you say hey i'm going to teach you these cues and if i see you doing this i'm just going to say this and we don't need much further explanation i'll finish this by saying that in the beginning i talked about verbal and nonverbal there are verb nonverbal cues that you may not be aware of a simple thumbs up is a cue it means everything's good you know no further explanation needed thumbs up everything's good I work with uh, Dr. Gary Frick on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and we do running and we work out. We do both. And we do some little intervals, and we have our little uh, area that we train at. And usually, I'm in the back, and when he starts coming around the corner, the first thing he does is he looks for me. He's He knows he's going to get a cue, and it's going to be a nonverbal cue. And if he simply gets a thumbs up or nothing, it means he's on pace. If he sees me drop my hand down a little bit, that means slow down. 
If he sees me doing a waving motion, that means speed up. Now, those are kind of obvious, but they're also communicated because we talk about it ahead of time. Because again, during a workout, nobody has time for long and lengthy explanations. But those explanations need to be done, but they need to be done beforehand. We pay for things on the front end so we don't deal with it during a workout and end up having to waste precious workout time over explaining. All right. So use your cues and hopefully you just gave me a private thumbs up. I hope you did. And a little bit of note of taking care of business here. So we are starting the FitMax Club and it's a daily email where you're going to get tips, suggestions and different things like that. I encourage you to please sign up. You will get the uh, podcast. You will get other information. That's great. And I would appreciate it. There'll be more information to follow. And now I want to thank chiropractic physician, Dr. Doris Antos of Ormond Beach, Florida. She is great. And as I've said before, that if you don't necessarily think you need a chiropractor and you only go when you're hurt, that might be a little bit of faulty thinking. I think it's important to take care of our spine. It's important to have a regular chiropractor that you can literally lean on and massage therapy as well. We don't have to be hurt to utilize these people. They're part of our sports medicine team. So if you want to contact her, all of her information will be in the show notes. And until next time, be max fit and be max well.